Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I am Sal Berry and along with me is Tim Parrish, who had to dig his way out of 10 feet of snow so that he could be with us here today. So Tim, how are you doing? Are you thawed yet? I'm not quite thawed because it hasn't still hasn't stopped snowing. Yeah, and I was I was recently informed that the plows have plowed our driveway back in again. So I'm not too happy about that, considering so you, I spent four and a half hours trying to dig out the driveway. Uh-huh. We got uh, a little shy of 10 inches of snow. And with the drifting, I mean, it was drifted up to the garage door and our front porch. Like I was up above my knees. Mm-hmm. walking out the door so i mean and that's that's a two-step up to get to the porch and it was already it was up to my knees mm-hmm. so huge drifts and everything else but <sighs> my back's not happy right now let's put it that way well it is it is truly winter now because the midwest has been dumped on with snow i, mean, I know other states have too but yeah we got snow we got hockey. We got the Super Bowl coming up. I mean, we are in the middle of winter now. It couldn't. It could not be more winter if we tried, right? I mean, it's it's great. I'm loving all the hockey. Uh, I'm liking the lots of games on. Yeah, I looked at the schedule yesterday for the NHL Network, and it was back to back games like all day long. I think they had four or five games on, and I'm thinking, wow, are there this many games scheduled for today? And I started flipping through and realized a couple of them were rebroadcast from the previous night. Either do that or it's the top 10 goals of the week or the top 100 left defensemen of the past decade or whatever. I mean, um, well, this was after after all the ice time episodes in the morning. It was just game. There, there was the live game. I think it was Buffalo. And uh, yeah, they had that game. And then the next game was Chicago and Columbus, I think. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, is that right? I thought they played tomorrow. And then I looked at the thing and saw it was rebroadcast. And I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah, so they they threw a bunch of those in, but it was like an all day, all day event. And of course, once again, I missed out on the Penguin game, unfortunately. Uh, so. Yeah. Hey, Crosby got an OT winner. Yeah. Not to mention all the other drama that apparently happened back in the uh, locker room afterward in the Rangers locker room. Yeah. I heard, you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, so... And, th- and this can- this happened today, so depending on when listeners are listening to this, but uh, you know the the much maligned and polarizing defenseman Tony D'Angelo was put on waivers by the Rangers organization. Now here's a guy that was just signed in October. He's not really that old. Was a solid defenseman. Hasn't played too well this year. But he's got like a nine and a half million something like that cap hit. And you dump him on waivers. Now, he's very outspoken about things, especially on social media. He's called out teammates. He's gotten to quote-unquote Twitter wars with people over various political topics, which is always a bad sign when you fly your colors online anymore because you're going to get attacked from every direction. Right. But he has for many, and he's been labeled a a number of different things. But either way... um, just dumped, dumped them on waivers, and there were all rumors of everything that's been going on. But apparently, he got in a scuffle with another teammate after that game, and 
we don't have the details yet, so I'm sure those are going to come out. But uh, the rumor is, and this is just a rumor, so like I said, depending on when you're listening to this, the rumor was it was either Kreider or um, Georgiev that uh, apparently clocked him for whatever he was saying. And then, like, a fight ensued and all of that. So, you know, the coach came out and, uh, you know, Quinn came out and he's just like, I don't want to talk about the details. I don't want to say anything. He's been put on waivers. It's not one incident. It's a bunch of different incidents. It doesn't have anything to do with his play necessarily. And just kind of went on and on and gave the typical toe the company line until they decide to release a statement. So that's kind of where it stands right now. But uh, kind of crazy, you know, to think that in the, you know, we use the term cancel culture all the time. And, you know, here's a guy that's a very, politically charged topic, I guess. Would would he 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 puts himself into those situations that he probably shouldn't. And I get it. I mean, guys want to be able to talk and, and say what they want, you know. In football you got guys TikTok dancing on people's emblems on their field and all that kind of stuff. You know, with Juju in, in Pittsburgh and you know, that causes a problem. He doesn't see anything wrong with it, but tons of other people think it's disrespectful. You know, Tony D'Angelo speaks his mind. He's got political views on things, and he gets labeled a bunch of different things, and lots of people hate him. Some people like him. But uh, I know Ranger fans are going to be... I don't, I don't know if they're going to be hurting because of this, because you're down a D-man, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you have to back him up? You've got... Uh, you got a basically call somebody up because that's wasted money. You can't get rid of that. You dump somebody on waivers that you've already paid the contract to. You don't lose that money. You still owe that money and it counts towards your cap hit. So what do you have left? You only have enough money to bring up somebody maybe from AHL um, and hope that they could fit in. Cause otherwise you got Jack Johnson. Uh, Poor Jack Johnson. Johnson. Everybody's picking on Jack Johnson. Well, you know, he brought a lot of that on him. That needs to be uh but yeah, that needs to and, be, uh, and, and that's the thing, you know, he was on Pittsburgh and he had, you know, well documented his play over the last season. And now he's on the Rangers and he hasn't really shown that he's any different than that. So that's not really move, moving him up into that spot is not really an upgrade. Um, and I guess that's why I was able to pick up a Jack Johnson black diamond rookie card for a dollar 25 the other day. Wow. I, I was he, buying some cards off of someone on eBay, and I said, eh, I'm going to buy this card, and I'm going to pay $4 for shipping. Let's see what else they have. So I'm not paying $4 to get one card shipped. And I looked, and he had a Jack Johnson Black Diamond from 0708 and $1.25. No one bid against me on it. Shocker. Yeah. Yeah, so Big shock. Yeah, I mean, no offense to him, and I was always a supporter of, of Jack in Pittsburgh, but you know, the fans turned on him and turned on him quick. And, you know, he knew he was never able to really recover from that. And he wasn't all that bad. Not until probably the second half of last season was when he really started to show what was going on. And I think time has caught up to him. I think that's part of the problem, but you know, you don't know where a guy's head's at, but you know, that has nothing to do with, with Tony D and his problems because his problems are his own problems. And, you know, we'll see. You know, he goes on waivers. He clears waivers. Is another team going to sign him? 
Is another team going to ignore the fact that he was a disruption in the locker room, not in one place, but in two places? And how many teams want to attach themselves these days to anybody that's got a political viewpoint that doesn't support what the masses want right now? Not many. Not many at all. Especially a guy that's been tagged to the lovely word of being racist at this Mm. point. So, you know. Once you get that tag nowadays, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you recover from that, but I guess we'll see. You, you know what you do is you make your $9.25 million and then you go play in the KHL and make more money. Or I guess if he goes to the KHL that voids his NHL contract, well, so then you just don't. Exactly. I think that's part of the, part of the deal with the, um, with the Players Association and the collective bargaining is he would – Void that. I don't know how that would affect them from a cap standpoint, though. I'm not up on that, but I just know it's uh, it's a potential for a mess. You not only lose a defenseman, which, again, he wasn't playing that great, but you lose a defenseman, you lose the salary, you get the cap hit, you got to replace somebody. What do you do? I don't know. To me, stuff like this shows a lack of leadership in a team. If you have players leading the team, you shouldn't have these like skirmishes. And I get it. Guys are passionate, and guys want to you know, they want to go out there and play. And, and let's face it, the Rangers haven't been playing well. I don't know. You know, you get a more you get a more veteran leader in a locker room, somebody like a Crosby or a Jonathan Taze or, um, you know, you can go around the league and just, you know, pick different team captains and leadership teams from various teams. And I don't see, I mean, who's the leadership team in, in New York? Right. I mean, good question. I mean, when you think of you think of like back to like the 90s when that was like Mark Messier's team, you know, something like that would never have happened. That would not have happened. Right. And if it did happen, it would have would not have been become become public. Sure. It just Yeah. You look at that and you when you look at that team and you go, yeah, that is so and so's team. Right. And then you look at other teams and they don't you know, they look they don't have a solid leadership core. You know, as long as we're talking about the Rangers, and I want to change the subject here a little bit, I want to talk about Alexi Lafreniere because he finally got his first goal. Because uh, I, yeah, I feel you like, like that? well, I mean, you know what? I I finally have his young gun rookie card, so I don't care now if it goes up to a million dollars or goes down to a penny. I have it, you know what I yeah. mean, and I don't care anymore. Now, I wanted to try to buy his card before he played in the NHL. Because if he had a four-goal game, his first game, of course, then everyone's going to be like, oh, my God, this guy's great. I need to own his card. I need to own five of them. I need to sell them for, you know, $1,000 each or whatever. You know, I don't I don't want any part of that. Like, when the card was selling for 600 bucks on eBay uh, in November, when it just come out, I was just like, nope, nope, nope. Going to wait, going to wait, going to wait. Kept watching it gradually go down. Finally got a... Uh, made a private purchase off of somebody off of eBay. It wasn't on eBay. It was just like a side deal, basically, because he didn't want to mess around with eBay. I didn't want to, like, get outbid by, like, a nickel and then have to start over. So, yeah, we, we came to an agreement. I was happy with the price. He was happy with the price. You know, and I just told him, I said, look, you're giving me a good price on this. I ain't selling this. I don't know if I'm going to put it in a card holder or if I'm going to put it in my nine-pocket page for my set. But this is staying in, in my collection forever. But I, I have a hard time paying a lot of money for one card that just came out. So, you know, now well, that I have Especially, we still don't know if he's going to be a bust. 
Right. And that's the thing. And we talked about that ad nauseum before when he was going to be drafted and, who, you know, who's going to get picked and is he going to be number one and, you know, who's going to take all oh, the Rangers took him and is he going to do this and going to do that? You know, everybody talks about that forever. He still could be a bust. I mean, look, look how far we are in the season. And he finally got not only his first goal, but his first point. Like he didn't have a point. You know, here's a guy that got put on the top line on a team and was the number one draft pick and highly touted and supposed to be NHL ready. And don't get me wrong, he's shown signs that, you know, he is NHL ready. He should be there and he should be given the opportunities. But, you know, you go down the list of rookies this year that are making a name for himself. He's not on it. No. At least yet. But, you know, he keeps up on this pace. You know, he's he's on pace for eight goals. <laughs> For the season so i mean obviously he's gonna have to you know pick it up but he's gonna need some help around him and like i said if they're just a leaf blowing in the wind with nobody to to pull him along it's gonna be difficult for you know for a younger player like that especially one that's got that much pressure on his shoulders to be able to go out there and perform night in and night out when i mean what's the identity of the team you know what are you playing for? Yeah, you're playing for New York. You're playing for one of the biggest markets in the country. But, you know, you go out there and you you, you play for your brothers, right? Well, who's – is there unity? Is there team unity? What's going on? So I think we're going to find out probably in the next week or two, you know, everything that's happened and what, what the process is going to be going forward to kind of right that ship. But, yeah, I mean, with his cards – you know, they fluctuated so much, like you said, since November. I mean, up, down, left, and right. I mean, so many have sold. There have been so many out there and everything else. And now, you know, not to veer off topic again, but, you know, Series 1's on EPAC now. And, you know, with everybody posting all the hits and everything that they get online and on social media, I've seen tons of people posting on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pictures of the red glow of pulling that card in epac and i mean we saw a ton of it right off the bat when the physical product was released i mean now you know epac epac hits it's huge because traditionally once epac products get into you know get out there in the wild the prices on items start to plummet now we're in that we're in that weird realm that we keep talking about where you got a lot of people coming in, a lot of new collectors, a lot of flippers, a lot of investors jumping in on all of that. And you have the opportunity to see those fluctuations change on a nightly basis based off of performance. It happens in basketball. It happens in football. You know, we see it in all of the sports, really. You know, a guy goes out and hits three home runs in a game. Immediately, everybody's scrambling to grab his cards. Well, you know, the same thing is starting to happen in hockey. And if if he catches fire, there could be a lot of $350 cards out there. A lot. At least for a while. And, until that starts to cool off. But, uh, you know, once these things have have time and have, have uh, cooked out there long enough and made their way to, you know, COMC, it's going to be interesting to see where, where these prices go. Well, I mean, COMC and, and EPAC, I mean, that's when you, you see the, the price go way down for, right. you know, especially for like, you know. That's what I said traditionally you do, and that's how we're able to all get the scrub guns so cheap, you know. Usually right, gun guns right off the bat that aren't available in a digital form, 
for no name guys or guys that, you know, had a shot and basically didn't make it and got bumped down to the AHL and you may never see them again, you know, all those types of players in the first few months of a product release, they're still five, eight, 20 dollar cards selling for. And it's like they start to come down, start to come down, start to come down. But, you know, if you're building a set, right, and you have, let's say you have 10 hot rookies out of the whole crop that's available. And those 10 hot rookies are going to be 20 bucks and up the rest of them. You're going to start to see drop down and down, but if they're sitting at five bucks a piece, it's going to be pretty difficult to build your set at five bucks a clip. Per right. Pre EPAC. I'd go to a show and hope to find those scrub guns for $3 to $5 each. And then if I bought a bunch of them, they would knock money off of it. Now it's just kind of like, I expect them to be 50 cents each. 50 cents, 70 cents, a dollar at most, because there's a ton of them on EPAC. And I feel a little bad for the buyers because a, a pack of Series 1 is like $3.99. So you're basically paying $3.99. Actually. It's $4.99 now. On EPAC. On EPAC. Whoa. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's even higher. Because I know last year, for I, I think it was when I wanted to get the David Ayers... Um, game dated moments card instead of buying a pack of um what's that set with uh and not compendium but the other one the, the uh, cheap one the fusion packs fusion right instead of buying a pack of fusion which i'm just like all right well fusion cards are only digital and they only exist digitally and i'm not going to build the set and i don't really care i ended up buying i think i ended up buying like four or five packs of upper deck series whatever and i got like a jersey card and i got like a couple of inserts and I was just like, okay, this is kind of fun, you know, like, but if you think about it, so now you're spending $4.99 for a pack of Series 1. You're ba- yeah, it's $4.99 for a pack, it's $1.14.99 for a box, and it's $13.75 for a case on So EPAC. you're paying 5 bucks a pack to basically get one real card and seven fake cards. And it sucks uh, when the one yeah. real card you get is a young gun that you're going to turn around and sell for 50 cents. Like, you're not even close... To breaking even it's it's so like the marketplace is so skewed i mean not to give a back in the day kind of example but back in the day when you bought a pack for 50 cents and you got 15 cards you could probably sell those cards for 10 cents each right and you'd exceed what you make in your pack or maybe you'd get a card that was worth a dollar or whatever and i know we're, we're, we're talking about nickels and dimes here instead of like hundreds and you know five hundred dollars but like I feel like then it was a little more reflective of like, well, this is how many cards you get in a pack and this is what the the cards are worth. But now if you spend $5 on a pack, those base cards are are worthless. And I mean, especially more so on on EPAC, they're worthless. And then like the one hit that you get is going to be, okay, it's going to be a portraits parallel, but you got, you know, 200 other people selling the same portrait parallel card or, or portrait card for 79 cents or 40 cents or whatever. I just, uh, it's, it's just, you know what? It's, it, it's, it's great for buyers. It's terrible. I don't understand why sellers keep doing it. They really think they're going to hit that big card. Here, we're going to do an experiment real quick. Ready? Okay. I'm going to open an EPAC right now. Mm-hmm. Live on the air. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Click on that share screen icon. Start sharing. Oh, there we go. Yep. And then you could, ah, look at that. Okay. Can you see it? See. Okay. Well, you could yeah. see it. Yeah. I wonder if you can All hear right. it too. All right. So here you go. Here's my one shot. 
at a series one pack. I feel like I should be doing play by play here. Tim live on camera. You should do play by play. That way you know I'm not lying. You say what I get. Tim clicks the open. And what he gets Duncan Keith. Braden Point. John Tavares. That Johnny Pajamas, okay. Ryan Suter. So far, this is a pretty awesome group of guys. Hey, look Drew at Doty, this. Drew Doughty. Oh. Jack Eichel portraits. There's my, there's my hit. <laughs> Jack Eichel portraits. Matt Zuccarello. God, what kind of haircut is that? That's awful. And Will Butcher. There you go. So there's my there's my EPAC. So for $4.99, that is what you get, folks. Right there. Um, and none of those are the suit parallels and none of them well i don't imagine the uh they have the french ones do they on epac i'm sure they probably do let's see if any of these have french on the back uh doesn't look like it so there you go all base cards and a jack eichel portrait with kid and play hair so retail value one dollar for that eichel you'd be lucky there you go, people. That's what you get. Four ninety nine. Boom. And if you're into it, into that, that's great. I'm, I'm very like kind of yeah. I'll just buy. You know what? Well, here's the buy. thing. Yeah. For everybody that's not familiar with this, so out of that pack, right? So there's three, six, seven, eight. There's so there's eight cards, right? Of that, none of those cards are real except for the portrait card. Because the portrait card's an insert, it counts as a real card. So if I wanted that card physically in my hand, I could tell Upper Deck, hey, send me that. And they will. So you do get some semblance of an actual physical card. It just depends on what they are. The rest of them go into your collection, and the more of them you get, eventually you can meld them into a real card. But at this point in time, they're not. They're just digital only, except for that icon. So... Those of you that are wondering about EPAC and haven't jumped into it yet, that's essentially what it is. You can digitally collect stuff and go from there. It's unlike Top Skate where it's all digital. This is it's like half and half, more or less. Right. So. I mean, those digital-only cards you can collect, I think it's 10 copies of, and then you merge them into a like a foil board parallel. Right, right. right. And then and those then... become real and you can have those sent to you. And I've bought those before, like, of players I've collected or, like, Blackhawk players. Because, like, they're, you know, a lot of times I could pick them up for, like, 30 cents to a dollar each. Again, to build one of those, I mean, assuming that if you bought, uh, doing some math here. Let's see, you get 7 times 7.49. Let's say you buy eight packs of uh, Series 1. That's $40. And let's say you could then, let's just pretend you got like 10 of each guy or you traded around or whatever. So like, basically it's costing you like five to $6 to make a foil board parallel. And then you're selling it for a dollar. So that's what I mean. Like even like if that, and then I know that they have like, as I call it the twice baked potato where you could, you can collect 10 of the foil parallels and then you can like exchange it for a i don't know if it's still a speckled foil board parallel but it's like that's what it's been the last few years and okay so the high-end rookie cards and the high-end players those will sell for a lot of money because 
it takes a lot of those cards to get to those, and it takes a lot of time and effort. And yeah, if you have Connor McDavid or if you have a rookie of whomever's the popular rookie that year, yeah, you're going to basically ask for a high number and you're probably the only person or one of two people selling it uh, versus the low end stuff where there's hundreds of people selling it. But I mean, that's so much work that I just don't want to do. You know what I mean? Like I, it is I a have lot enough- of work, but if that's your platform though, cause I've come around to this, I was against the, like a lot of this stuff. I'm the guy I'm the get off my lawn guy, but I'm only get off my lawn for a while until I like, get used to it and it's not new anymore and it's not scary. Oh, this is a scary thing. I don't like it kind of thing. So then we accept it. Yeah. Then you end up accepting it. So like EPAC, I've been on EPAC for a long time, probably since it came out, I've had an account and you know, have I got stuff on there? Sure. Are there times where I go months without even touching it? Yeah. But if you're, one of the collectors that's actually on there and is fully engaged with it, that might be your only outlet because they make a lot of their product available. Sure. You're not going to be able to buy the cup on there and there's other, other, you know, other releases that aren't available in EPAC, but there are quite a few that they make EPAC available that you can just, you can buy the packs on there and open them up and, and go on your merry way. And a lot of the higher end product the more expensive stuff, every card is a real card, especially the packs of, of, you know, SP game use. Yeah. SP game use where like half the cards in a pack are, are hits, you know, they're, they're real. You get them. If you ask for them, you get them. You know, the, the snapshot that you see is not a stock photo. It's the actual card. So, um, so yeah, there, I mean, there, there's plenty of people out there that take this and that's their, that's their collecting platform now. And they're happy with that. They don't have to have boxes upon boxes and have a whole room dedicated to all of their stuff. Like some of us do, but you know, to each their own, right? There's, there's a, there's a, there's a balance, I guess you can have of both, but uh, you know, back to the original point, which we were talking about the Lafreniere card and prices being, you know, dipping. It'll be interesting to watch this one, you know, now that he scored, Got off the Schneid, prices have started to go back up on the card, but then EPAC gets released. So does that have a negative effect once a bunch of these start showing up on, you know, various websites and and everything else as more readily available? I don't know. I don't know what that answer is yet. I think we need time, and we'll just keep watching it and see what happens. So another new product release that I want to talk about is uh, my favorite, or maybe now my least favorite. The Tops Now Hockey stickers, which I, I have a love-hate relationship with, as, as you know. At first, yes. I was like, you know, back in uh, the start of the 2019-2020 season, I was like, well, these are kind of expensive. With tax, I'm paying about a dollar a sticker, you know, $7.49 plus tax for a nine-sticker pack. But you'd get an album, you'd put in, um, you know, each week there'd be nine stickers you'd put into the album, and and I thought it was great. And then the pandemic hit, and it put the NHL season on pause and then tops paused the stickers, which made sense. And then they could have continued it and they could have just put out however many stickers they had left and just divvied that up over the playoffs. But no, they were like, you know what? We're going to put out a pack of stickers every day because why not? Sure. Well, okay. Only one game happened. Let's put out a three sticker pack for three forty nine, or, or one time they put out something ridiculous, like an 18 sticker pack. And it was like, 
with tax, it ended up costing me like $27. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous, right? So I stuck with it until the end. And then I wanted to see what they would do for 2021. So uh, they started it up a couple weeks ago. So they're doing nine stickers, $7.49 plus sales tax. So it ends up costing you about nine bucks for the nine stickers. No sticker album this year. So I don't know what the heck you're doing. Like their sticker, what is the point of a sticker collection if you don't have a sticker album? Yeah, I mean, what are you doing with them? I mean, you're sticking them on your Trapper Keeper? I, I mean, I would. I have a pretty wicked awesome Trapper Keeper myself. Lisa Frank with unicorns so, and rainbows and stuff like hey, that? don't be bagging on Lisa Frank. Yeah, Lisa Frank was awesome. Yeah. Offending your retinas since 1985. If you like, um, if you like hot pink and... and uh, Sparkles? N- neon blue. I mean, that was, that, was, uh, that was the way to go right there. I guess that's why I like the portraits card so much this year. We got we got our hot pink and our neon blue. Yeah, I still think they're a little too saved by the bell for me. So, um, and as I as I point out, and I'll point out again that 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 magenta and green that you see on those cards that is straight from the ninety one Pro Set Yo MTV Rap Set. I mean, same green, same magenta. I mean, it's so. I'm not saying that Upper Deck pulled that design, but they definitely riffed off of that design, I think. Because I looked at it, I go, this looks really familiar to me. And I'm like, yeah, it was the OMTV wraps. I still have the Flavor Flav card somewhere for some reason. I kept that one. Okay, so getting back to Tops Now stickers. So one in 10 packs has a gold variant. Last year, it was one out of three packs. Now it's one out of 10 packs. And in every third week, there would be a Chase sticker that had like a player on a retro design. You know, like Jack Eichel on an 84, 85 tops design or whatever. Which I um, actually like those. I do too. When I just laid them all out on the table and took a picture of them, I'm like, oh man, this is what a tops heritage set would look like, you know, nowadays. Yeah, right? heritage or archives or something of that nature. Right. So um, they're not doing that this year. And they're using the same exact design as the previous year. So to me... Tops is totally phoning it in this year. No sticker album. They're not even doing like a chase sticker that's unique. It's just, ooh, a gold parallel. Big deal, right? Like, great. You know, that's that, that makes me want to buy 10 and hope that I get one, right? Whereas the other one, I was tempted. And I'd be like, well, I'll buy five packs and hopefully I'll get the retro parallel. Or it wasn't even a parallel. It was a unique sticker that actually you needed for the sticker album, there was a page that was going to be just for those chase stickers. And then the other thing that bothers me, Tops doesn't even bother revealing what the stickers are. Like right now, I mean, as of our recording, the stickers have been on sale for a couple of days and it's like sticker 19 TBA, sticker 20 TBA, sticker 21 TBA, sticker 22 TBA, right? Like, and I get that like, they're still kind of figuring out what's happening during the week. But like, at least with like the tops now, you'd look at it on like the first day, they'd already know which one they were going to, that was going to be included. And then as that week progressed, you'd be like, oh, cool. They're going to put a sticker of this guy in there. Well, I'm de- well, I mean, I was going to buy it anyways, but for somebody who was just buying it because they say, hey, player I collect is in the sticker set this week. I'm going to buy it, right? Or in the sticker pack this week, I'm going to buy it. They don't even do that. Like I, okay, 
I should get an L tattooed to my forehead because I said I wasn't going to buy these, but I bought oh. them, right? So I bought weeks one, week two, and week three. And I bought week two and week three at the same time because there was a little bit of overlap. So I was like week two, I think I bought it with like 18 minutes left before it went off a sale. And they had only revealed like the first two stickers. And I'm like, wow, with 18 minutes to go. Because really? they put them up for seven days in like six hours or something. Yeah. So it's like, hey, you want to pay 10 bucks for something and not know what it is? That's what you're getting with Tops Now hockey stickers. And that is just terrible. They're That's, phoning it in. Uh, They're phoning it in. They're like, here, yeah. add to cart. Add to cart, and we'll figure out who we're going to put on these stickers when we have to deal with it, right? We're not we're not doing a new design. We're not bothering with the sticker album. We're not bothering with any creative uh, chase stickers that will actually make you want to buy more than one pack of these. Yeah. That's, Are they releasing uh, cell counts like they did last year? I'm glad you brought that up, Tim, because that was the next <laughs> point. I was so, just going to say, that yeah. could be the reason. Well, okay, so. hey, hold on a second now. So when Tops now ended at the end of the 2020 season, their last sticker pack was the Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup. Cha- well, sorry, that was the first sticker in that pack, but that was basically the, the end of the finals. And it was a seven sticker pack that sold for 10.49, and it had a print run of 293 stickers. So that's where it ended. It started, the year started with over like 1,400 packs being sold. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it was like well over a thousand. Actually, I might actually have it right in front of me if I just, here we go. Uh, Week one, which included the free sticker album, had 1,483 packs. And by the time we got to the very last sticker pack, it was down to 293 three packs and two of those were from me because i clicked the submit order button twice because it wasn't working it it gave me a white screen i went back i hit it again and then it said thank you for your order and then i placed two orders and then i tried to cancel one and that was unsuccessful so okay so it ended with 293 what do you think week one of the new season how much what the print run is just based on last year being ending with 293 but starting with 14 whatever week one yeah week one this year oh um i'll tell you that's okay i was gonna say i imagine with the hype and everything of the season started people might have been going gung-ho on it so i'll go high i'll say 850 well, that is high, but it's actually 1,726. Whoa. Surprising. Okay. That's yes. Do- that's double what I was thinking. So that's okay, good. Now, check this. Okay, so here, here's who is in week one. Alexi Lafreniere, Tim Stutzel. Well, Stutzel. there you go. There's okay, the so, big reason. Yeah, so, Stutzel okay. So, and Lafreniere, I mean. So the rookies are, and I'm going to probably botch a few of these names. So uh, Alexi Lafreniere, Tim Stutzel. Igor Sharangovich, okay. Nils Hoglander, Vitek Vanacek. Yeah, he's then, the goalie for Capitals. Yep, and then Lightning raising their banner, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, uh, Mark Jankowski scoring the first goal of the 2021 season. Okay. All right, so that was week one. So week one had a print run of 1,700 and change. What do you think week two was? I gotta think. I gotta think. It died off. So, twelve hundred, five hundred and ninety-three. Whoa! 
Yep. What a dip. What a dip. And I, I'm, I swear to you, I don't think, I know that all the stickers were not revealed when I bought that pack. And so it has rookie stickers of uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph. Yeah. P.O. Joe. Nice. P.O. Joe, Jack uh, Stud, Studnika, and yeah. uh, Bowen Byram. Yeah, he's another, he's another stud. And then the other stickers were Alex Pietrangelo, Braden Point, Carey Price, Jake Gunsel, Leon Dreisaitl, and uh, Brandon Sutter. So those are, uh, that's who's in week two. I need the P.O. Joseph and the Gensel. So if you're looking to buy individual stickers, uh, there are still people who buy 10 or 20 packs to get the Chase Gold sticker that they could allegedly flip for a lot of money. It was more lucrative when it was the retro sticker. You know, yeah. to some of those, I was I was paying ten or fifteen dollars for one sticker, but I'd be like, well, I want it and I need it, and it's going to go in my sticker album. And okay, whatever. You know, somebody took the risk of buying five or ten sticker packs to get that one in every three packs, right? So then, what do you, what do they do with the other sticker packs? They'll um, they'll either part them out, or they'll just sell them for like five bucks. I mean. There was uh, a couple of times I missed a week here and there, and I'd go on eBay, and somebody would have the sticker pack for $5 free shipping. And that was less than me spending $7.49 plus tax. Yeah. So, yeah, no pun intended, but I don't think I'm going to stick with the Tops Now stickers this year. Yeah, I wasn't trying to, but... uh, (laughs) uh, You got to get the dad jokes in when you can. Got a cue Foo Fighters. I'll stick around. There you go. Uh, right nice. here yeah it's good it's a good song we need the rights for those we do let's work, let's work on that we need to get that ascap license so we can play some stuff <laughs> yeah so i think what i'm going to start doing is i think i'm going to just take the money that i'd be spending on tops now and i think i'm going to just start buying cards that i actually want on the beckett online store last week i placed a beckett order and i picked up a bunch of cards that i needed and then in I'd general like, or with a specific vendor? Well, with a specific vendor, enough to get free shipping. There was like one or two cards that he had that they they had that I wanted. And then I like said, hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get enough for free shipping. And then I'm like, oh, you know, there's a lot of like 50 cent cards that I need. Like I guess 50 cents is their lowest that they'll sell for. But you know, if it's for like a 90s or 2000s insert and you need like three of them, all right, buck 50, that's fine. So I think that's what I'm going to start doing now is I just, instead of like buying these new stickers, so what am I going to do with them? I'm not going to put them, I'm not going to put them in album, like nine pocket pages, because I'm pretty much out of room now. So I got to be very selective about what goes in a binder, because I'm I'm pretty much at my limit. They don't go in a sticker album which I would have enjoyed. I guess I could make my own sticker album and that would be pretty cool, but I'm not that ambitious. <laughs> yeah, I, you could. That would be, be interesting. Anybody, any of the listeners out there that have time on their hands and creative prowess, there you go. Since Tops didn't make a sticker album, come up with one. Hmm. And whoever has the best design, you will win, well, nothing, but... At least you'll have a cool sticker album. I will stick my stickers in your album if you there will. There you man. go. So uh, you want to talk about Artifacts? 2021 oh, can, Upper Deck Artifacts. We can bring that up. Artifacts came out. And the initial... You know, just like anything. And here's the thing. what 
when when you get feedback from something, what do you get? You get the people that really like it, and you get the people that really hate it. So the the haters jumped out quickly, but it was evident that a lot of what was getting broken early on had a lot of quality control issues, especially with some breakers, some pretty high profile breakers out there, uh, busting boxes and having things show up with uh, damaged cards, miscut cards. Saw quite a few of those where they were kind of crooked on the bottom and the top. And the biggest problem I think we're missing hits. Now upper decks always pretty good about, taking care of their customers um they're one of the best at that and upper deck assist has been you know they've reached out to a lot of the people a lot of the posts of of people that i know and follow um have had their issues at least addressed so you know word to the wise if you're if you're busting this product right now uh keep your boxes your receipts your wrappers just in case while you're opening it make sure nothing um, nefarious is going on with your boxes, but other than that, you know, that's <sighs> look, you hate to see that. Here's a product that was supposed to be out in September. It was delayed until now because it always comes out at the start of hockey season. Well, the start of hockey season wasn't until now, so I can see that, but again, everything's been delayed. So, you know, you put this delay on the product, you, you wait, you put it out. Okay. You would think, well, that gives us plenty of time to fix all the issues and everything else. Well, I'm not so sure. I'm thinking this product went to print already and was ready. It may not have been exactly ready, but might have been close to being ready sometime last year. So I think my, many of these issues might have been, you know, forced out there. But, you know, again, it is what it is. You know, Upper Deck takes care of their customers for the most part. Keep all your stuff, keep your receipts, all of that kind of stuff. But otherwise, it's kind of a typical artifacts product. I've seen some pretty insane jerseys and patch cards come out of there so far. Plus, if you're into the bounty program, I mean, that's that's going full full bore right now. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a lot of a lot of cool stuff in that in that product right now. So, you know, you'd expect maybe some print problems to be in the lower end sets like MVP or OPG. And I haven't had, I don't think I had any defective MVP or OPG cards. All the I don't know that I've ever had any defective OPG or, or, uh, MVP. or uh, MVP. Although I have gotten a few OPGs with nothing on the back. You should send them back. I think I should. So it's, like, only half, it's only half a card. It's only half a card. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, had, I haven't seen many issues with, with those products, but... You know, and Upper Deck even said they they had to rush. I mean, they were hard pressed to get the Series One out, so there were issues. They addressed the issues with chronology and the styrene, the whole styrene thing. You know how they couldn't get the, you know their their printer just wasn't doing it, so they had to go look elsewhere to do something else. So, do do we fall back on the old, just say COVID and oh okay, we'll 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 give you a, we'll give you a pass. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I like artifacts. I've always liked artifacts. That's like, that's one product that I usually always put the base cards together at least. And I'm usually good for a couple boxes just because I like a lot of the hits that are in there. And they don't have a lot of high resale value on the back end, especially the numbered parallels, unless you get something that's like really crazy, which I've pulled before. 
I got a numbered out of five Kucherov card from a few years ago that it's got a fight strap piece in it. Um, like I said, serial numbered out of five. I got a Henrik Sedin um, numbered out of ten. It was like a black. Uh, I think the it was the black parallel maybe numbered mm-hmm. out of ten, or maybe not. I think black might be numbered out of one. Whatever the numbered out of ten was, I, I ended up with that one year. Um, I got a triple of like Joe Thornton. It was Team Canada one. I forget who all was on it, but it was all fight straps. So, I mean, there's pretty cool product in there. And uh, it's a nice set if you're looking for memorabilia. Let's put it that way. You know, we talked all the time. I, we don't like the fact that one of the hits is considered the Arum card with the bounty program. But, you know, they've they've gone... They've gone full full on on this bounty program, so I think it's here to stay. So I don't think we're going to get a, get away from that. So one of the nicest cards I pulled was from um, Artifact. It was a um, I don't know if it was a Tundra Tandem. It might have been, although they don't play on the same teams. I don't remember if it was a if that's what the card was called. But it was basically a it was is a jersey card, and it had a jersey piece from Ovechkin, and it had a jersey piece from. Crosby. Nice. And I said, this is probably going to be the nicest Jersey card I ever get. Like I've just, cause I think that was that one year. I want to say that was 10, 11 when I bought like a ton of artifacts that year. I mean, I bought like a crazy amount of boxes. I couldn't get enough of it. I just, I loved it so much that year. And I remember getting a, uh, a card and it was, it was uh Jersey pieces. These might've been patch pieces. Actually. I mean, it was a really nice card. Um, it was Malkin and Ovechkin. And I said, well, this will probably be the nicest jersey card I ever get. Malkin and Ovechkin. Can't argue with that. And then like two boxes later, I get Crosby and Ovechkin. And I'm like, I like this one better. Sorry, Gino, but I like this one better. I just, yeah, you know. You know. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got an Ovechkin. I have an Ovechkin and a Malkin dual jersey. But I, I think it came from Panini Certified, if I'm not mistaken. Does so, that make it less desirable? Uh, depends. Depends on what your feelings are on on Panini. I mean, I have it in my collection because obviously it's got a Penguin player on it. But who knows? I don't know what the resale value is on it. I've never looked. So a couple more uh, notes on new releases. So President's Choice in their game used series released a set called Lace Them Up. Now, they did do a set called Lace Them Up a couple years ago, but this is under their game used series which has like all these different they call them insert sets right so the latest insert set from president's choice game used is lace them up and they have a piece of uh skate lace and they're like put into the card in like a crisscross pattern they look pretty cool i like them they sell for between 50 to 150 depending on who the player is and how limited it is so like some of them are limited to 10 some of them are limited to three and some of them are one of one. Basically, like the original six era type guys or before are one of ones. And then like the current players are either limited to three or limited to ten. So like for instance, like the Mario Lemieux skate lace cards were limited to ten. And they were like I want to say they were $79.95 each. And then like, you know, like Chris Osgood is like $49.95. And some of the guys that only have three copies. They're like $59.95, $69.95, depending who it is. And then, like I said, like the original six guys that are like limited to 1-1, one, one, 
those are about 150 if they even have any left in stock. It seems like a lot of these are kind of going quick. It depends on what the set is and, and who it is. So it seems that like lately with like President's Choice, the stuff that has a very finite number, like one of ones, like say like Jumbo Memorabilia, those, you know, because there's only one of them. So, you know, yeah, of course they're going to sell a lot quicker. Uh, I mean, what's funny is like talking about like Malkin not getting any collecting respect. Like as of right now, all 10 copies of his card are still available uh, for purchase. And what are they, 59.95? So Yeah, somewhere around there. And then like Mario Lemieux, a couple of his sold and his were like limited to 10 and his were like 79.95. So depending on the player, the price is fluctuating. Yeah, but like the original six guys, those those ones will always go really quickly. Or anybody that's like a, a one of one is going to go pretty quickly. I mean, I think Ovechkin was limited to three, and I think those are all sold out now. That set seems to be doing pretty well, and they still have a lot of those available. And then they put out another set, but it's not on their store. It's actually on their Facebook page. They put out these all-star booklets that have, like, six players. So last summer they put out a set called All-Star, where it was a player pictured from an all-star game, and then it used a jersey piece of his all-star game game worn jersey um now they're doing like like these booklet cards that have like six players and they're selling for 329 each like i'm looking at one right now it's shanahan leach hull fedorov bork and mckinnis which is a pretty nice awesome you know can't can't complain about that i'm looking at another one here broder eiserman hashek solani coffee leclerc and then this one, and I'm not quite sure which what years these are. Those other two seem to be mid-90s based on the teal. Um, and then these have, like, red. These look like the North America versus the world era. So we have Leach, Madano, Yager, Sundin, Forsberg, Niedermeyer, Urbe, Madano, Forsberg, Solani, Lidstrom, Sundin, Sakic, Hasek, Bure, Lidstrom, Korea, Lemieux. And then this one is Yager, Solani, Burke. Javi Bulin, Lemieux, and Chelios. So, yeah, I mean, they nice. those those are pretty nice. And then, uh, as we talked about in the past, they put out the Vezina collection, and you wanted to talk about that because there was something that went down with uh, with the Vezina collection. Well, yeah, they, um, they rolled the set out, which we brought up last week and talked about. And one of the things in the set was uh, there were four art cards that were done and I guess apparently they were sent to President's Choice via FedEx back in December, and they went missing in customs um, and never cleared customs. And it was like a constant back and forth between Dr. Price and the artist as to where these things went and, you know, who needs to talk to who. And, you know, the, the information they were getting from the shipper was uh, not really helpful. At this point, Dr. Price uh, basically came out and said that they think someone opened the box and the product is no longer in the box. So, But he put out a, a statement that uh, let everybody know that uh, the art cards have gone missing and basically told the whole story and threw it out there that they're going to have redemptions 
um, within three weeks of the release date if the art cards are still missing. And they'll replace them with uh, four cards. They'll replace those four cards with four six-piece game use pad cards. So apparently they're going to, they have pieces of uh, Vezina's pad that they're going to be able to produce additional cards for that aren't already in the set. So um, if they show up, who knows what it'll do with them at that point. But um, I know he's pretty tore, he was pretty tore up over it. And the fact that these went missing, because that kind of sucks, because they were one of a kind artwork. That's, sucks i i had something go missing in december that was sent to me but it wasn't a one of a kind anything i got over it i was a little mad though because i talked to my post office and they're like well it says the package was delivered and i'm like yeah but i never got it it was a 2002 tops archives alex del vecchio autographed card and because i was just like i think i'm going to start collecting these old archives autographs right and I, I saw it on ebay and it was a good price and i picked it up buy it now had it shipped to me they sent it out right away I remember like my phone chirping saying your package has been delivered i went to my mailbox it wasn't in there went to the neighbor's house wasn't there went to the other neighbors wasn't there huh went to the post office that uh when they reopened because of course it was delivered on saturday at like six o'clock so you know i couldn't really do anything about it not being there uh-huh. And they looked into it, and nothing came of it. And they'd be like, yeah, we'll, we'll call you back. And they never do, and I always have to call them back. And then after a while, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm out 13 bucks. This sucks because I really want the card. But if I really want one, I could probably find one for around $20. And it sucks because I already spent $13 on it. But whatever. I'm, I'm glad it wasn't like, say, oh, I don't know, an Alexi Lafreniere young gun that went missing. I would have been livid over that. So... A $10 autographed card. But yeah, one-of-a-kind artworks, and especially when you're dealing with somebody like FedEx. And we're going to talk about some... Yeah, and that's what I was That's what I was going to say, too. You know, with the, the state of the current USPS, yeah, I, I could see this happening way more often. But, you know, FedEx, you think of FedEx and UPS as like, oh, well, I'll send it that. That's the most secure way and the quickest way and all this kind of stuff. And it costs the most and, and, and all that, but way prices have been skyrocketing um i don't know you know i want to talk about the bobby Orr rookie card that's on sale before we get into our postage our postage and paypal problems portion of our episode here uh just getting (laughs) getting you caught up on all the hockey card news that matters hockey slash hockey card news i know there was a big trade i think i don't want to talk about that some other time when we should talk about like if trades actually impact the players um price of cards ability you know yeah i was gonna say the only thing that that i would say about any of that is yep if a player goes from a small market to a big market and they're impactful they immediately open themselves up to a much larger fan base so it does have the potential which is why a john Tavares young gun shot up in value Oh, it's yeah. like a $70 card, and I'm like, eh, I'll buy it eventually. And then he goes to Tirana, and then it's just all of a sudden, it's just like doubled in price. And I'm like, what? Yeah. So, you know, for instance, a player goes from Columbus, and, you know. So, yeah. Goes, so, I guess we'll just talk about yeah. this. So, Pierre Luc Dubois and Patrick Line being traded. Old news by now, but two players unhappy with their situations, s- swapping small markets. Yeah, it's like uh, 
you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois goes from Columbus to Winnipeg, which I've been told is the Columbus of Canada. So, you know, it's not really, uh, <laughs> it's not really changing that dynamic of a size of, of a market base, but it's in Canada. So, you know, double the size of a Columbus market here would still be half the size of a normal Canadian market in another town. Right. If you fo- if you follow that logic, but, uh, you know, line A, line A, and the fact that Jack Roslovic came with that came with that package too. Um, you know, Jack doesn't get a lot of hobby love, but you know he has the potential to make a pretty good impact on that team. And Line A's cards, I don't know. Line A was really high right off the bat, and then just kind of cooled off. And yeah, you know, some of his stuff is still a little pricey from the rookie year, but I mean, for the potential of of him as a player. He's pretty underrated, I guess, would be my best way to describe it. What do you think? Liney being underrated? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think he's I mean, he's one of the bright young stars of the NHL. I probably liked him better in Winnipeg because I feel like if a player excels in a small market, but it's in Canada, like there's just way more hobby potential for them. I mean, I always thought that, like, I mean, look at, say, say somebody like Rick Nash or Ilya Kovalchuk back in his Atlanta Thrasher days, right? And Rick Nash, when he was with the Columbus Blue Jackets, it's like, yeah, their rookie cards are worth a lot of money because they were they were great players. Well, Kovalchuk is still playing, so he's still, you know, a player in the NHL. I mean, he's, he's good. He's not great anymore, but he was one of the game's superstars, right? But you just, I mean, it's like, would you rather be, yeah, in a small market in Canada, I, I think that makes him more collectible than, you know, playing for Nashville or playing for Columbus, or Carolina, you know, and I know Jim Howard, one of our co-podcasters and, and writers for Puck Junk is a Canes fan, actually a season ticket holder. But I mean, I look at, you know, like going to one of those teams like a small market U.S. team, and it's just like, yeah, they do have more potential to sell tickets, and I get that, you know, because they just have a bigger population. But you take somebody like a a, a Patrick Laine or a – well, you look at, say, like Rick Nash, right? Like if, he, if his whole career was in New York and not just the end of it, would he have been a more collectible player? Or would he have gotten more hobby love, as they say? Rick Nash gets, like, no love in the hobby. And right, that's, and why that's is criminal, that? That's criminally wrong. Because he spent most of his career yeah. on the Columbus Blue Jackets. Flies under the radar. You're like, who's this guy that's leading the league in goals and points and all this kind of stuff? It's Rick Nash. Where the heck does he play for? Right. Know, a casual fan would have no clue. You know, Line 8, he had a few years. He didn't have a good showing in the playoffs a couple years ago. He gets being tagged as... He's one-dimensional. He just scores goals. He can't do anything else. He's a poor skater. He's, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, the guy was touted as going to be the the next Ovechkin at one point, you know. And he's got a heck of a shot. I mean, he really does. And he's a, I mean, he's a straight-up sniper. So, I don't know. I mean, if he has, if he can come out and have a big year, who knows what will happen with with his stuff but like i said from a hobby standpoint i think he's underrated and pierre luc dubois pff, other than some people that collect columbus i've never encountered a, a, a an individual like ipc 
Pierre-Luc Dubois. I've never right. found that person. Right. So if you're out there and you're listening to the show, by all means, contact one of us and let us know. Because I would like to know that there that you guys exist out there. Now we can finally talk about the Bobby Orr Tops rookie card. Uh, BVG yeah. graded 10 up for auction. A PSA 9 sold at Leland's for 204000 in uh, February of 2019, so a year ago. So this version is currently at 126 with the buyer's premium. Two years ago now. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, 2021. we're 2021 here, buddy. I'm still dating my checks 2020, even though uh, it's 2021. I think you get a, I think you get like a 30 or 60 day grace period on that. Okay. Well, yeah. Then we're still we're beyond that. Then these eggs have expired. Yeah. So yeah, so this version is currently at 126 grand with buyer's premium with heritage auctions and goes on until the close at the end of February of yeah. 2021. So I think there's like 26, 27 days left on the auction last time I checked. And yeah, it's at 126 with buyer's premium. So it's about one, I think it's 119 straight up bid. So So what do you think it's going if the if the PSA 9 went for 204 What's the PS? What's the BGS ten gonna go for? Okay, just from my weak experience with looking at graded cards at auction, especially the high end ones, the PSA ones tend to go for higher. That just mm-hmm. seems to be the thing. So you have Beckett Beckett grading here, and BVG. If you're not familiar with that, that's the vintage grading. It's a different setup than the the standard Beckett grading. It's ah. not BGS. It's not. What's the generic one? The B, B G G S or whatever it is with the white the label. One word. The, oh, the one you, yeah. The one you find in all yeah. of the uh, the Fairfield packs all the time. There's always like a graded oh, card yeah. Fairfield box. Yeah, those ones. Um, B V G is for vintage cards. So yeah, this one's a this one's a ten. So you know, with it being at 126 with a month with a month left, I mean, it can get a lot of traction there, and that's the thing. You go back and you look at the graded versions of these that are out there. I think this is the only 10 that I've seen. I mean, there might be others, but it's the only one I've actually seen. And this is one of the cards. You know, if there were 10 cards, there were iconic cards that would define the hockey hobby. This is one of probably the top three. Yeah. You know, the number one card already sold. Yes. So... Is this one going to get to a million? No. But to our conversation we had when that was, what's the next one going to get to a million? Well, this one's not going to get to a million, but I could see this one pushing 350, 400. I agree. 400 seems about right. Maybe a half a million because it's Bobby Orr. That would be fitting if it went for four. (laughs) It's Bobby Orr. 400,000, yeah. But we'll see. I mean... It'll be interesting to follow this one all the way through. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's exciting. At the same time, it makes me sad that I don't have a Bobby or rookie card in any condition. This is a hard one to to get in a decent condition, too, because of the, the set that it's from. The brown Lots, borders. Yeah, the, those brown board, those brown wood borders with that TV screen look to them. I mean, a lot of chipping. There's a lot of chipping, a lot of edge edge issues with those cards. So having them in this high of a condition, that's, that's pretty good. It makes me wonder where this card was all this time. Yeah. Where was it hiding all this time? 
I don't know the full background on it, but uh, I know there's uh, a few folks that listen and and follow us, and we follow them out there on social media that uh, that do. So we'll uh, we'll have to reach out and find out what the backstory is there. So speaking of social media, so I got a uh, I got a nice note from uh, somebody, one of our listeners, a gentleman by the name of Drew Wright of Hamburg, New York. He and I traded some cards and he just he threw in a little note that said, you guys are the reason I got back into the hobby. But then he also told me via Twitter, and I thought this was very nice of, of, of Drew. He said, I just got back into collecting a little over a year ago after a 15 year hiatus. And I wanted to tell you that the Puck Junk podcast was like my Bible when it came to figuring out what I was going to go after again, as well as getting all nostalgic listening to the episodes about the old 90s and 2000s sets. So, Drew, thank you for thank you for that, and thank you for the cards that you sent me or that you traded with me. That was fun to actually trade trading cards with people. But, uh, yeah, hear that? We're like the Bible of... Nice. Well, yeah, I guess... Well, at least Drew thinks so. Did you throw out his handle on Twitter? So Drew's handle on Twitter is dr3wskiii. Drewski, but the 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 three, the e is a three. Oh yeah, and three yeah, eyes yeah. at the end. I got like you. The, like the Roman numeral three. That's creative. Yes, I got yeah. it. So anyway, so um, he's the yeah. one that's got that awesome masthead of uh, the. Uh, the Canucks and the Flames, like, about ready to boil over into a brawl with, of course, Matthew Kachuk at the helm. So, well, thanks, um, Drew. That's awesome. I'm glad you said that. Oh, and, you know, another thing. I uh, uh, My birthday was last week. Well, happy and, birthday. Yeah, thank you. And I, got, I actually got some hockey stuff for my birthday. Did you go my, out partying and drinking and everything? Yeah, bars and restaurants. No. You have to go to Florida for that. Or Dallas, apparently. You can go to a card show. Yeah, go figure, right? Pretty big one. My sister got me a... She got me two things. She got me a box... No, wait. Let me rephrase that. She got me three things. She got me a Chicago Blackhawks mask. With, you know, to to keep me safe from COVID-19. And it has, like... It's a really nice mask. It has one of those little pockets that you put a filter in on the inside. So it's like a really quality Blackhawk mask. Fits well. So she got me a a Blackhawk face mask, which is very nice, very thoughtful. She got me a blaster box of 2021 MVP. And instead of me being like, oh, well, this is the set that I only need like four cards for. So thanks. No, I was just like, no, this is awesome. Thank you. You know what I mean? Because I told her, buy me cards. I don't care what they are. I'd just be happy to get some cards. And it was true. I got some cards. I was happy. I enjoyed opening them. Unfortunately, it's MVP. So the best you can hope for is some sort of cool parallel the best parallel i got was a gold script malkin which is headed your way tim um and then i got a sweet about a hand my birthday too yeah and then uh i got a handful of like the short prints like almost all of the short prints from that box i needed so it was cool and then she got me a hundred dollar gift certificate to da card world so yeah so i got you know i got some i'm gonna get some Got some MVP, some other stuff, and some future considerations. Yep. And I'm going to wait until you know what comes out, and then yeah. I'm going to buy that. Yep. Yeah, so it was nice to get hockey cards for for my birthday. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Um, yeah, because it is kind of difficult if you don't know. Like, if you don't know, you know, like, are these good cards? Yeah, I mean, we've all want? we've all been there. We've had that discussion. We we talked about that on our uh, Christmas, Christmas show. show. Yeah, and, you know, what hockey related things you get. It's it's so funny because there's so many of us out there that have collected for so many years, and it's still to this day people are like, I don't know, you're hard to shop for. Like, no, no, I'm not. I'm pretty transparent. Walk into my room and look on the walls, and then decide. Right. It's not that difficult. If it's black and gold and says Pittsburgh on it, chances are it'll end up here. Right. So. So um, the postal rates went up again. And I forgot about that. I forgot that that was happening at the end of January, and it did. Yep. And I feel like the post office is always kind of, they say they're going to do it, but they should really make a bigger deal about it. It's never like a big announcement. It's always like page 14 news. Like, well, yeah, you well, can have, you can have me, all your conspiracy theories you want about that, whether that's intentional or not. But oh, yeah, well, hang on now. The post office emails me every day. I'm signed up for informed delivery. So every morning I get an email showing me scans of the letters that I'm getting and telling me if any packages are coming and, and stuff like that. So oh. it's not hard for them to say, hey. Since we got your email address, we thought you'd like to know that the price of shipping is going up this Monday. Just so you know. Yeah, see, I use... I knew about it already because I use a different shipper. I, I send you USPS, but I use another... I mean, I'll, I'll just say I use Pirate Ship. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar with Pirate Ship. Um, a lot more card people are familiar with it now. Back when I started using it, it was kind of... Not that popular. Yeah, so you get this because they do bulk. So you get discounted rates and you basically get the uh, the corporate rate, the corporate bulk rate. So it's nice. But uh, yeah, they, they sent out that announcement a long time ago. So I was like, well, I've had some trades sitting here for a while that I just need to get out of here before, before the rates go up again. Mm -hmm. Because regular stamps didn't change. There's no change from last year. Those are still 55 cents. But every additional ounce for first class mail letters like 20 cents so yeah i mean bubble mailers shot up um again so you know if you're going to ship a, a normal bubble mail or retracting it's like 450 now i think and if you're doing us to canada straight up without using any of the backdoor tricks or anything else it's over 14 dollars nuts yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And like, you know, people from Canada shipping to the U.S., it's not as high. But everybody wonders, well, why is there so many people that don't want to ship to Canada? Well, that's why. Because they keep gouging us on the postage. And then you have to wait for your package to cross through customs. And that can take sometimes forever. You know, I sent something up there to New Brunswick not too long ago. Well, actually, it was long ago. Um, I sent it before Christmas and it just got there last mm -hmm. week. So uh, that's a while, I think. Considering it was just a, a basically a, just an envelope. It wasn't anything spectacular. I feel like shipping to Canada and to Europe is punitive. Like, I don't even feel, I feel like the U.S. Post Office is punishing us for some reason. Like, because if you think about it, 
okay, I can understand if they have to actually bring it to England and say, here, England, here's mail that we're giving you, or here, France, you know, or here, Sweden, right? Because, like, I trade with a lot of people in Europe through a website called laststicker.com. It's mainly for completing sticker albums, like the Panini and Top sticker albums, not just hockey, but, you know, everything. If it's got a sticker album, they try to have, like, have it in their database. And I tell people... If it's a lot of stickers, I'm going to break this up into four or five envelopes because, you know, I can send you an envelope for $1.20. I can send you four envelopes and that's going to come to $4.80. But if I put these in a padded envelope, it's going to cost me $15. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. It's it's ridiculous. And especially to Canada, really, they just have to get it to the border, then it's Canada's problem. I can understand if, like, I ne- I was sending a package to none of it, and they were like, oh, that's really far in Canada. That's, like, really far north. And we, you know, we have to take this up on a dog sled to get it there, right? No, 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 no. Because the U.S. Post Office just has to get it to Canada. And then it's Canada's problem, right? Yeah. So I don't, unless we subsidize them somehow, I don't think we do. I don't think the U.S. Post Office does that. So I, I don't know why it just has to be so flippin' terrible. Um, but I hate that. And as a hockey card collector, hockey card trader, hockey card buyer, hockey card seller, yeah, it just makes it really difficult, especially with selling my T-shirts, my, you know, the puck junk T-shirts. Yeah, I, I want to ship them to Canada, but it's like I have to charge like $14 now or whatever I'm charging. I think it's $15 per order to Canada just to offset the fact that it's going to cost me $18 to ship one shirt. You know, I mean, it's just it's yeah. it's terrible. And I, you know, I, I was going to say I before they raised the rates, I found and again, this depends on what you're selling. But I found that if you use those priority mail um padded yeah envelopes you can actually fit two 300 count boxes inside of one of those padded envelopes oh yeah i've done that before yeah i've done it twice now and that actually worked out really well because within the u.s i was able to actually send those envelopes for i think it was something like 785 yeah i was gonna say i think it was like eight or nine bucks it wasn't more than that that was decent, but you know, sending one of those to Canada, they automatically kick over to the flat rate envelope rates, which are about, you know, for like a three pound, if if you had a ton of cards like in a box, you know, if mm-hmm. it was three pounds, for instance, it's like twenty seven bucks. You know, if you're just doing a trade with somebody, you know, I have this big giant box of, uh, you know, Winnipeg Jets cards, right, and you're sending me some Penguins or whatever. <laughs> 300 count box cost me $27 just to ship for a trade. Yikes. Yeah. You could take your $27. You could buy those cards that you're trading for. And then you'd still have your jets cards. I I mean, I know that negates the whole idea of trading is getting something you want, giving something to somebody and also getting rid of stuff you don't want to keep around. But you know, sometimes I just wonder because it's like when somebody's like, Oh, let's trade. And then I'm like, well, I'm paying $10 to give you a card, and then I'm getting a card that I want, but I could also just buy that card that I want for, like, $8. So why am I going to spend $10 to send you something for a card that I could just buy for $10? You, you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it doesn't, it, it, 
it doesn't make sense c-e-n-t-s sense you know what i mean yeah with with the whole i mean for lack of a better word debacle that has become the u.s postal service especially how it bleeds over into the hobby so much and you know you can look at it from every angle and say well i'm not getting these letters and i'm not getting this and that you know simply from a hobby standpoint people buy sell and trade and you're ship you're shipping you know these nice little yellow envelopes or even pwes and they just keep bumping postage and bumping postage and then there's really no guarantee that you're even these are going to even show up i mean how many times do you end up with a package that's in that nice little envelope that says, you know, we tried our best, but we ran over your stuff with a steamroller. And it's like, I, why at that point, why even bother? You know, I've had it go both ways. I've had the stuff damaged in there and I've had it come and shockingly enough, it's been fine. Even though they say, well, it's been damaged. Yeah. Well, the package was, but what was inside was good. Cause obviously whoever packaged it did a good job, but it's not always the case. You know, you run over it, it tears apart, and, you know, a lot of this started going, I mean, again, COVID, right? We're, we're back to that as an, as an excuse again, and I hate to use that, but, yeah, you know, understaffed, more people are staying at home, they're not going anywhere, so we got to utilize the Postal Service and other, other shippers. That's why Amazon exploded. You know, it was already big, but it's now even bigger. It's like people are stuck in the house, so this is how they're getting goods and services from one place to the next. we got to use utilize the postage. So there's not enough people working in the postal services. They don't have the equipment. They can't handle the influx of what's coming in. And obviously no one wants to work there because they can't hire new people, apparently. So, and uh, I mean... You've had postal workers getting sick because of COVID. I mean, the, yeah. the prior presidential... Um, administration removed the sorting machines from the facilities and i actually i know somebody who works for the post office and i asked him about that and he said yeah that made things worse not better i mean the people who wanted to support the previous president said well you know these things weren't very efficient and they were old and they were costing money to operate so they that's why they had them removed but when i talked to people who work for the post office they say no this helped sort mail. That's what it did. You know, when you have a machine that sorts mail and you take that out, it's it's making it harder. So yeah. So then that's why you have like postage or a postal like hubs like just filled with packages that are from two months ago. Yeah. It's it's terrible. And it's like, you know, you think of that and then you think of like Com C like being really slow and sending out orders. And then you think of like the grading companies just being so backlogged. I mean, yeah, this is just, none of this is good. And the only thing that seems kind of nice is that eBay is going to uh, allow PWE shipping. So plain white envelope uh, with tracking, which is great because there are a couple of times I've used PWEs to send eBay items. One was a, it was a little, gun for an action figure so it was really small and i just wrapped it in like just like a fold of like bubble wrap and then put it in almost like put it in like a like a letter and then it just it just had like a little bit of puffiness to it so it was non-machinable so i put 70 cents on it you know because it was like a four dollar item 
and nobody wanted to spend three fifty to get a four dollar item shipped to them, right? Yeah. So seventy cents or a dollar or fifty cents or whatever I charged seemed fair. And then the other thing was was um, it was a video game instruction book, and I was able to ship that in a not in a regular envelope, but just your typical five by seven or four by six yellow envelope, not the padded kind, just the regular one. Slide that in with some cardboard, throw a couple of stamps on it, came out to 85 cents. And that was fine. Now, these didn't have tracking, but they were low-end items that if worse came to worse and they got lost, you just you take that risk and you go, okay, I'm refunding your $5 or I'm refunding your $10, right? Because yeah. you don't want to spend $5 to ship a $10 item or, or $4 to ship a $5 item. So I like the fact that that eBay is doing PWE shipping, but I guess it's as you were telling me earlier, it's not all that just yet. Well, I mean, it's it's going to be more than just trading cards, but that's what they decided to roll it out to first was come up with the plan and and give it you know give it a test run, and I guess that's kind of what they did. You know, cards with total value under twenty bucks is what it's supposed to be. Um, it's seventy five cents which is obviously more than a regular envelope or a regular first-class stamp, which is 55. But the fact that you get tracking on just a plain white envelope, I mean, anybody that's bought and sold cards on eBay knows that you get certain types of seller protection, right? If you can provide tracking numbers. Yes, so if you're shipping PWE and you have no tracking, well, a case opens up against you. I never got my card. Well, what do you do? I mean, do you say, so what? No, because then you're going to get negative and all that kind of stuff goes with it. So, And there's very little seller protection as it is when it comes to eBay, and it's a, which is a whole other discussion. But um, So you can ship small, lightweight items. They were supposed to set it up where it was going to be I and see, I don't, and I don't know if this is 100% true, but I heard there were supposed to be envelopes that were going to be available that you could get that were specific to their specifications. But they came out with like specs, it's supposed to be, um, you know, up to three ounces, it could be no thicker than like a quarter, I think it's a quarter inch, quarter inch, you know, it's got to be six, what'd they say, six by 11. I think is what the dimensions have to be and, and no smaller than like three and a half by five. Mm -hmm. So bigger than an index card, smaller than, you know, a giant full size page type envelope. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, trading cards less than 20 bucks, you're supposed to only be able to ship no more than four raw cards or two if they have top loaders. So no graded cards, nothing like that. But I started thinking when I, when I first heard about that, I'm like, who ships without putting something in a top loader? No, never, because, I, and you know what, I've done, sometimes you could fit two cards in a standard top loader, back-to-back, -back, yeah. and I've done two cards in a top loader, or, or you use a slightly thicker top loader, like maybe like a, even like the really thin jersey card top loaders are kind of thick anyways, but sometimes you get like a top loader that's maybe a little bit thicker, or maybe it's kind of stretched out because it's been used a few times, and you, you, I've been able to put like four cards, two in one top loader, then put a team bag around that, and then two in another top loader, put a team bag around that. I tape the two together then because I'm putting the tape on the team bags, 
and then I fold a piece of paper around it, like you're writing somebody a letter and you fold a piece of paper around it. And then I put that in a business-sized envelope and it's fine. And for 55 cents, it's fine. And I had cards sent to me like that all the time and I don't care. And I send cards like that to people and they seem not to care. I mean, I had one person tell me, oh, well, I don't want roller marks to be on the card because it goes through uh, the machine and, you know, the roller marks. And I, I've never seen that ever happen. Ever. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I haven't tried it yet. I'm leery of PWEs. Wait, you've never done PWE shipping no, at all? No, I've never shipped. I mean, I've received plenty that came like that, but I've never done it myself because I just don't trust it. See, I wouldn't do it with the jersey card. I would not do it with a jersey card, even a low-end jersey card, because that's thick enough that if it does get machined, although you just pay the non-machinable surcharge and you write on the envelope, hand cancel only, and then I think it goes from 55 cents to like, I think it's 20 cents more for non-machinable, and then you just pay that, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, I know in the beginning when this first went live, people were having issues when they would try to choose that as an option and it wouldn't allow them to you know, process correctly. I think they've fixed that since then because um, there's now a choice for shipping. So if you're creating a new listing on there now, um, when you choose your shipping service, uh, it's I think it's called eBay Standard Envelope mm-hmm. and it'll say four trading cards specifically. And then that's what you that's what you pay. I'm not sure if it allows you to change that shipping value other than it loads whatever the default value is. So there might be opportunities where it might even be cheaper than 75 cents, but I think that's like the standard, that's the standard rate unless you add additional to it. Like if you want to charge them for, I guess, handling charges, shipping, which plenty of sellers do. So now that I think about it, it was a couple of years back. I actually did sell some cards on eBay with PWE shipping. It was all like low-end Young Gun cards. I think the most high-end of the group was a Tom Wilson Young Gun that I think I got like $5 for or $6. I mean, you know, it wasn't like a super high-end card. And I told, I spelled out all the, I said, if you're in Canada and you want PWE shipping, two bucks. If you're in the U.S. you want PWE shipping, one buck. And then I said, but if you're in Canada... And you want bubble mail or shipping, $12. And if you're in the U.S. and you want bubble mail sh- uh, shipping, I think I said like $4 or three fifty, because this was a couple years back, right? So the rates were even cheaper back then. And most of the people took me up on the plain envelope, especially the Canadian people who were like, yeah, I'd rather spend $2 for PWE shipping than $14, especially for like a $5 card. Yeah. Way more people are going to jump on having that as an option to ship rather than anything else. Plus now you get the credit for being able to list tracking. So you don't get dinged for that and whatever they decide to do as far as seller protection extra in case a case is opened against you. Well, now eBay officially has your tracking information. I don't know. I'm not plenty of people are fine with it and I'm just, I don't know. I like it. I like I, it a lot. I'm excited about it. I mean, I got to get on board with it. I'm not the expert when it comes to that kind of thing. So as far as shipping it and the process and everything, I've watched plenty of guys. There's YouTube videos out there of plenty of guys showing you, you know, here's exactly what I do. I take this, I paste paper, I tape it, I do this and whatever. You know, I watch all that. I'm confident that I could secure something pretty well. I just, I don't know. That's just me. No, I don't understand. You, you have standards. 
you have standards. You, you're sending somebody a card and you want it to. I want it to get there and I want it to get there like how I would want it, you know? Right. But, but I mean, if it's, again, if it's a card that's easy to replace, I don't have any problem with PWE shipping. Either from either direction, you know, I I just don't have a problem with it. But if it's well, I'll tell you this I haven't sold on eBay in quite a while, and that's usually where you'd have your one offs or your two offs going out. When I do trades, I'm not trading somebody one card, I'm not, I'm trading them a pile, and so they're not going in a PWE anyway, they're going in a bubble mailer or something bigger, right? So, you know, that's that's kind of where I am right now, and you know, all of the cards that I have up for sale right now that are available are not listed on eBay. So that's just the fact of life at the moment. I'm trying right. out something new and exciting. We'll what is see it? how it goes. You going to tell um, us? I can tell you. I mean. Tell people uh, where they can find your cards to buy. Yeah. Uh, Trading Card Exchange is a new mm-hmm. uh, website that uh, is set up to act as a middleman of sorts kind of like com c is only more along the lines of the box service that sport lots offers so mm. i don't know if you're familiar with the box service where you sell you ship your cards to sport lots they box everything up from all the sellers and then ship them to you so that's that's kind of the idea behind trading card exchange somebody you list your cards for sale Somebody buys it, you send it to them, they send it to the buyer. That's how this is set up, and, it, and it's new. There's not not a lot of traffic there yet, but I feel like I'm getting in on the ground floor at this point, and hopefully it'll get some traction because I like the idea, I like the process, and so far, you know, so far so good. So the only thing I don't like is it you can't link directly to your store yet. Really. Yes, everything is individualized because they're trying to keep um, they're trying to keep anonymity. Did I say that right? Anonymity. Yes. It's a hard word to say. Um, they're they're trying to keep that at the heart of things right now, mm-hmm. and it's in the works. Like that's something in the works. Because again, it's a brand new it's a brand new site. So you know, obviously, there's not a lot of foot traffic there, and I don't really care. I'm not here to like turn a quick buck and flip this stuff as quick as I possibly can. Otherwise I would have put it on eBay and paid the millions of dollars worth of fees that they have. So what are the but fees of trading to... card exchange? The fees there are much less overall. You're looking at, Oh, of course you put me on the spot like that. How much well, while that? you do that, I'll tell a quick story. <laughs> so, I love the idea of eBay competitors. And I remember in 1999, there was an eBay competitor that came out that was going to specialize solely in action figures. And they were called Mini Folk, M-I-N-I-F-O-L-K, like folk people, right? Mini Folk, stupid name. So the idea behind Mini Folk was that it was a place to buy and sell action figures. They boasted no listing fees ever and that that was at the time when ebay would charge you a listing fee for everything and not only that but they would vary the listing fee based on what your opening bid price was so if it was 9.99 or less it'd be a 30 cent listing fee 
And if it was over $9.99, then it would go from like 30 to 35 cents or 50 cents or whatever, right? So eBay would get ridiculous. Like if you started something at 100 bucks, they would charge you like a $5 listing fee or $3 listing fee or something like that, right? And so mini folk, they only charged you final value fees. The way things were set up were pretty much like eBay with like the way they had everything categorized and stuff. And I don't think they made it to 2000. And this was around the time when I was like, I was selling things on eBay. I was selling things on Amazon. I was not selling on Yahoo auctions, but Yahoo auctions was a thing. Amazon auctions was a thing. And eBay actually was, I did a little experiment, put stuff on eBay, put stuff on Amazon and I was selling them for more money on eBay. So anyways, I don't know if that gave you enough time to find out what you were looking for. But oh, yeah. Story. yeah. There's plenty of time. So basically, you're paying them a commission rate that's 5% or less. I like that. That's, I mean, eBay is 10% on cards and like 12 or 14% on like books and DVDs, which I think is just robbery, but whatever. Yeah, should so just be ten percent. Like, yeah, so kind of like how you get the better, uh, the better payouts, like on sport lots. It's the same yep. one here. So the further you get up the line, and um, as far as seller status, I guess um, they have different levels, point point levels. You can get basically down to three percent commission. So five percent to three percent. Yeah, it's not a lot, but if you're only paying three to five percent to sell your cards versus a ton to get them to Comp C to sell, or a ton of back fees on eBay, like I said, I'm just trying it out. It's it's a it's a temporary thing. I loaded some stuff on there just to see what would happen. Uh, there's not a whole lot of hockey on there. They're working on some things on the site to try to make uh, make it a little easier to search. Uh, for items, but you know, right on the main page, there's all of the sports listed, and all you have to do is click on the one you want, and up will pop all the items. I did find a way to get my items to come up all together. Um, so if you're so inclined and you want to see what I have available, just go to the little search thing on there and type in DFG, and all my stuff will come up. Cool, and we'll be sure to put a link to Trading Card Exchange in the comments, so you could do that. You could go take a look at that. It's brand new. It, it might be good. It might be bad. I don't know. I'm willing to give it a shot, though. So. Does it have stock images for low-end cards, or do you have to like scan and upload images of everything no, you, you sell? You load whatever you want to load. Right, so if I'm selling a bunch of 9091 score and I don't feel like scanning every card, I could just list them. Well, not at the moment. Um, so you have because, to have a picture. Yeah, you've got to have you got to have pics. They require pics. Ugh. So everything that I have listed has a front and a back. Oh man! And if I don't have a front or a back, but I still want to put the listing up, I have a generic photo that I was using for the front and the back um, until I could get take the time to actually get the scan done and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and my generic photo would say, it's a junk wax era of card, people. Just assume it's near mint or better. <laughs> my my generic photo was a blank back of a card. So Yeah, yeah. This, this, 9091, this 9091 Tom Chorsky Pro Set card is, is legit. Well, I can tell you this. 
if you're looking for 9091 scorecards, don't waste your time looking at what I have for sale because <laughs> you're not going to find it. Everything that I've got posted up there is not a 9091 score. So how is payment processing handled with this? Do they they pay you? Yeah, you the, get sell, the, money? The, the seller pays and that money goes into your account. And mm. when they receive the card to process, that's when you, they release the funds and you get the oh, funds. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So you don't instantly get the money. So like ComC, somebody buys your card, they in, you instantly get the money. Well, yeah, because they already have your card. Right. So they don't need to worry about you selling. And they're not going to give you the money if you don't send the card because that would be fraud and that's stupid. So um, they're set up to release the funds after that part of the transaction is is done. And, and, and look, like I said, security has been their big thing. Um, so they have like an authentication process in order to make sure you you don't buy fake cards and all of that kind of stuff once they get them. So like you're you're selling a Gretzky rookie and you send it to them to send to somebody and it's fake and they figure out that it's fake. Well, they're going to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what they're they're set up to do. And like I said, payments and shipping, it's all hassle-free. So you're not going to have to chase down payments from people or have to send 12 emails. Hey, you didn't pay for your auction. Hey, you didn't pay for your auction. You know, And they take all the normal forms of payment. They're not set up for Venmo yet. Or what's that other one? Zelle or Zelle. Zelle? Yeah, they're not set up for either of those. I've seen those out there a lot. But pretty much everything else, PayPal, Visa, MasterCard, whatever you got. That's there. You can buy multiple cards, you know, in one transaction if you want. And then you can decide as the buyer if you want like them to ship them as they get them or if you want them to hold everything until they get all of it and then send it all at once. Mm -hmm. So that's on there. And like I said, the low commission rates. um, I'm not trying to sound like a salesperson for them. I mean, but I've been looking for something else for a while and you know, there hasn't been, I mean, there was a few platforms out there to do this kind of thing, but they all have their own little things. eBay is flawed for cards. We know that com C is very hard to make money unless you're selling cards that are worth at least a couple of bucks each. Com C is, you really got to sell something for $2 and up to turn a profit, right? You can't sell low end cards on com C because you're not going to get the money for them. And especially with hockey, Mm-hmm. With, with again with epac epac has killed upper decks base product completely right. right and many of the other ones that have dumped out there because everybody's trying to get that sale so you're always trying to be the lowest one right so if somebody has a card for a buck well, I'm, mine's 99 cents well then somebody put theirs at 97 i gotta go to 95 then somebody goes crazy and goes 50 cents well then everybody's at 49 and right. so on and so forth and that's and that's how it ends up being you don't have to deal with, you know, eBay. We all know what the issues are. But thing is, everybody all the time complains and says, we hate this, we hate this, we hate this. But that's where the audience is. That's where all the right. people are. So well, and like, then you have the Beckett stores, but not just anybody can get a Beckett store. And well, you pay yeah, money. Sure. You pay, I don't know what you pay. I, I want to say it's over 100 a month. It they don't to, advertise the yeah. price. Right. And you it have used to, to apply. Be, it used to be a hundred or north of a hundred a month, but it also depended on what type of seller you were. Mm-hmm. So like somebody like Burbank sports cards, I mean, 
I'm sure it's not a hundred bucks a month, right? But again, they're making a ton of money selling through that system or through their website and everything else. So they're a big company. They're not me or you trying to make a couple bucks selling something we don't want, right? Right. So, but I mean, I. But the thing is, is that their platform is powerful in the sense that, like, they have the stock images. And if you are breaking up, say, a set of 9091 tops, and you just say, I have every card in this set, then you could just check one box, it'll check all 396 boxes, and then you go to the little drop downs and go, oh, but you know what, card number one, I actually have two of. And card number seven, Jeremy Roenick, I have 10 of. And so it's like super easy to add inventory, and they use stock images, which is great for 90% of the stuff that you're going to sell on that site. So, like, that's why, to me, that's such an alluring option. But it's just, it's not possible for somebody, like, I mean, I probably have, I'm thinking in thousands, I mean, I don't know, 20,000 hockey cards that I could sell. Yeah. But I'm not not really going to qualify for a Beckett store. So it's just, yeah. I, I like the idea of something new that is, uh, it, it sounds like they, they thought of a lot of the, pitfalls and problems and have worked around that they have and i think they're they're working on stuff at least as far as i can tell i've reached out to their customer support on a number of occasions both through mm -hmm. twitter and through email and i've gotten responses pretty darn quick in fact i had a conversation with you know one of the guys just about you know being able to link directly to the to your store kind of thing and I get their I get their reasoning behind it, so I found a workaround at least temporarily. So, so. last thing we want to talk about for this show is we want to talk about PayPal. Part of our problems, PayPal and postage problems, being the well, theme that we're saving for the end of the show. I got a 1099k from PayPal, and I was baller, huh? I said you're a baller. No, and see, here's the thing. <laughs> I am keenly aware that till the former presidential administration changed that threshold, it used to be, I believe, $14,000. If you made more than $14,000 on PayPal, they would report it to the IRS and you'd be given a 1099K form for your taxes. I always made sure to stay underneath that window. Now, hold on a second, or that threshold. So let me just explain myself here. I play hockey. I used to captain a hockey team. Every three, four months, we'd have a new season. We'd have to pay $5,000 for our team. I would collect money from my teammates. They would either send me money via PayPal, Venmo, Zelle. Some guys would write me a check. Some guys would give me cash, right? So I'd be getting money in all these different ways. And once I realized, wait a minute, we play like three seasons a year. If everybody PayPal'd me and I ended up with five grand in PayPal every three months or every four months, I'm going to exceed that threshold. So I started telling my teammates, hey, you know what? PayPal is like the least desirable of my options. Give me cash. I, I don't want to take PayPal now, right? And the other thing is, is that I would run a pickup game. And um, I'd rent the ice, and then everybody would kick 20 bucks my way. And then I, I realized that, well, if everybody's paying me with PayPal and I'm running a weekly game, eventually I'm going to get taxed. 
on basically money that I'm collecting and turn around and paying to the rink. So it's not like profit, right? It's me getting money from my hockey friends and then turning around and using that money to pay the rink. So that doesn't seem right. So when I got this form, and yes, I do sell on eBay. Yeah. What are your thoughts so, on this? Yeah, I mean, all right. I can, I can see it from all the different angles, I guess. Look, if you're selling and you're selling you're selling stuff online and you sell a lot of stuff online, the tax man wants his cut. It's just it. Um, I don't know that there's any way around that other than to do like what you said. If you're sending constant friends and family payments that really aren't being tracked, well, okay, fine. I'm not up on what the total threshold is either. I don't know what it is. You're saying it was 14,000 way back when? It used to be 14,000. Yeah, I don't necessarily know what it is now. But honestly, if you're selling online and you sell a lot, you got to expect you're going to have to pay taxes on it because it's earned income. I don't know. I mean, there's so many people out there that are looking at these 1099s for the first time and they're like, I don't know what this is. I don't know what any of this is. Like, this is crazy. But... The thing is, if you flip, to use the word, flip this over to Mm -hmm. the investor, profiteer people that are wiping out retail shelves and selling everything at two, three times the market, these people are profiting off of their investment. Mm -hmm. Therefore, this qualifies as reportable income. So it doesn't matter how you get the money or what you do with it after, it's considered reportable income. You got you got to factor it in based off of what you're doing. So like if you throw, I don't know, if you if you spend a thousand bucks at the store, right, and you bought a whole shelf full of cards, right, mm-hmm. and you turn around and sell them, but and you made three thousand, right? Well, really, your taxable is you, you got two thousand dollars. You're not being taxed on the three thousand. You're being taxed on two thousand. Because $1,000 of that was your expense. So you're only being taxed on the money you made off of that. Right? Mm. And most people, I don't want to say most people because I don't want to pigeonhole this because there might be some of you out there might be in a different tax bracket. But, you know, if you boil this down, I mean, unless you're doing tens of thousands of dollars through PayPal, Mm-hmm. And then you're probably a business anyway, and you're probably already reporting taxes, so it doesn't matter. But if you're small time and you you did a few thousand and you got a 1099, really when you factor that into the rest of your income, I can't imagine you're past the tax bracket where that's going to make that big of a difference mm-hmm. in your overall tax liability. I mean, it's going to make some, but, you know... I don't know that it's going to jump that much. But again, you know, I'm not I'm not an economist. I'm not a, a tax an income tax person by any means, and I don't know the tax laws and the rules or all that kind of stuff, but you know, in my mind it's reportable income. You know, whether it's 20 bucks or whether it's $1000, technically it's reportable income. Like I like I always tell people, if you're making money, the tax man's going to have his hand out. He's going to come knocking on your door. Right or wrong, I don't, whatever. It is what it is. 
So, I mean, if you're if you if you're in a situation where you have a problem with it, you know, we can talk all day long, and I'm more than willing to talk about it. But you need to find a tax expert or something. Call your your accountant or whoever does your taxes for you. And if you are the person that does your taxes, well, hopefully you use TurboTax. Click the little button in the corner and talk to their little person. Ask them. Because, like I said, I'm no expert. I don't have a degree in it. And, you know, it is what it is. See, sometimes it helps to talk about these things with their tax. With your friend who does taxes, even though he says, (laughs) I ain't that kind of tax man. No, I'm not. But still, I deal with property taxes, not income taxes. Well, I mean, again, it's not like PayPal like spelled this out for any of us. But now this makes me mad because it's like if PayPal is collecting $20 on my behalf, but they're only giving me $19, why the hell am I taxed on $20? I don't get $20. I get $19.12. So now that's that's my next problem is that PayPal is and, – and I should have brought this up as an earlier complaint is that they're taxing you on the fees. You never get to keep those fees. How is it income? Yes. How is it income? If I make, throw out a number, I spent, I get, I make five, $10,000. Let's say I get 10, let's say a hundred thousand dollars. I like easy math. Cause it's a hundred figure 3% plus 30 cents per transaction. And then they charge you a little more. If you take money from Canada and Europe and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. All right. Let's just say I'm only making $95,000 now, but they're going to tax me on a hundred thousand dollars. Like I'm making a hundred thousand dollars in income, but I'm only making $95,000 in income. But again, it comes down to what you make versus what you spend because your expenses are deductible if you're doing that kind of thing. Because so one of the things on your tech expense the PayPal fees. Well, you would have to keep all your receipts. I mean, if you're planning on rolling this like, yeah, sure, this is your hobby. But if you're doing that kind of volume, it's more than your hobby. Right. I get that. I get that. And so your expenses go into that. Your expenses get deducted. So your overall total is going to be different than what it would be. Because, you know, by just just by saying you're being taxed straight up on your income, that's kind of a misnomer because your taxes are filed based off of income overall after, you know, the allowable deductibles are taken out. And if you're buying and selling goods and services, your expenses are counted in that. So it's it's a net. It's a net savings and PayPal's taxed on the fees that they collect from you as part of their part of their deal. But, you know, obviously that's irrelevant to you. But here's what I saw, because while we were talking, I pulled something up. So I yeah. guess it's 20,000 for PayPal. So but it's not because I didn't make 20,000 well, on PayPal last year. No, wait, I'm not done. OK, sorry. It's $20,000 or over 200 separate transactions. And that's basically their guidelines to follow for the federal filings. Every state has their own rules on how well, no, because they... I'm I'm looking at my form now and it says number of payment transactions 107. Yeah. Every state has their own rules that will over or supersede because you know states have their own things. And according to what I'm looking at, if you make more than six hundred bucks buying and selling. Illinois makes you report it. So what was the other number, though? The first number you you threw out there? The 20, how many grand? Apparently it's 20,000 or 200 transactions. Right. But if you're in a state 
that if you're in a state that requires it to be that has a much lower threshold then if they hit it paypal is required to send you a 1099 yeah but this is a recent development because it is all recent development this has all happened in the last like year or so year no, I mean, this is all this is 2020 yeah so I, yeah i think illinois from what this says illinois is 600 bucks which is way lower than 20 grand wow so, yeah just like another said, reason to move to florida i think i guess every place has its own problems like well the, i mean you know florida right. has its own problems but no state taxes so i guess it all evens out in the end right yeah so, I mean, we've probably put everybody to sleep with this talk, but I bet there's a lot of listeners out there that are in the same boat and have had have received those 1099s and have been like, what in the world is going on here? And, you know, I mean, it is what it is. You make money, tax man's going to put his hand out. So Going forward, advice. just keep that in your head. So yeah. my advice always on any of this, keep good records, keep your receipts. If you If this is, if this is your thing is buying and selling, Keep everything. Make sure you keep all of it. No, but even now, if you're as a hobbyist buyer and seller, I mean, you make $600 selling cards on eBay in Illinois. Okay, that's 50 bucks a month, right? That's a very modest amount to hit that $600 threshold in Illinois. So you need to keep track of your expenses. So think of these things now. If you're going to buy and sell a modest amount on eBay, not even in the thousands, in the hundreds, you need to expense the cost of the postage, yep. the cost of the eBay fee, yep. the cost of the padded envelopes, the cost of the tape, paper, labels, and ink. Like if you use like paper to like print yep. out a, a packing slip, or if you use a label sticker to put on the box. And also think of the black ink that you are using. You need to expense these things because yeah. now all of Anything these that's things, tangible and has a price. Yes. You need you need to keep track of. The only thing that the only thing that I don't think you can expense out is the time involved. Because unless you're a independent contractor and your time is your business, expense you gotta write all that down. So whatever you pay for any of this stuff that goes into that, write it down. It's better to be safe than sorry. I mean, look, you may not get one at the end of the year. You may do 19999 and you're in a state that doesn't that follows what the federal rules are, and you don't get one. Great. More power to you. You just made $19,000 selling cards. Awesome. More power to you. But if you're if you're in a state like Illinois and you did you sold seven hundred dollars worth of cards, you're getting a ten ninety nine. You're going to be taxed on it. It's just, and and, and just the way to build off of what I was saying earlier, and also think of these the the other supplies that you might not think of: the top loader, the penny sleeve, the team bag. I sell a lot of action figures, and a lot of times I put those in bubble mailers. But I first put the action figure in a uh, it's like a plastic bubble that like snaps shut around the figure um to keep the figure in good shape so even though it's going in a bubble envelope it's going in a plastic hard bubble i mean they call them action figure bubbles and uh those cost me like a quarter each yeah i you know i'm gonna expense those because that's part of my cost of doing business so now you have to you really have to think about this like doing like it's doing a business now and it's not a hobby and like Yay, I made 20 bucks selling some cards I don't want. Now it's like, 
I made $20 and I'm going to get taxed on that $20. So now I have to think about the 25 cents for the padded envelope and the, you know, 11 cents for the top loader and the, you know, 18 cents, um, you know, because that ink cartridge divided by how many pages it yields or whatnot or, or, you know, just the cost of the ink cartridge for your, for the year. Yeah, it's messed up. Or... Or you do all that and you don't use PayPal. You use some other service that's not going that direction. Or you come up with your own payment scheme. I got one. It's called PaySal. There you go. You send your money to me and then... um... And then you go out and have a night on the town. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at PuckJunk. Tim is at TheRealDFG's. Thanks for listening, folks. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.